Sometimes some crimes go slipping through the cracks, but these two gum shoes are picking up the slack. There's no case too big, no case too small. When you need help, just call Chippendale Rescue Rangers 2022. Theme song guy. On this podcast, we let it go. Because Hakuna Matata and the bare necessities will always be our guide to infinity and beyond. All it takes is faith, trust, and a little bit of pixie dust. We know that life is better under the sea. Because on this podcast, we do Disney. Hi there, I'm your hostess with the mostest, Kelly Meehan, and welcome to Doing Disney. The nostalgia is going to be off the charts today. I've brought in a very special guest to talk about all about the 2022 release, Chippendale Rescue Rangers. It's Nazari Montenegro. Nazari, thank you for joining me today. Hello. It's been a while. It's been a while. It's nice to see you again. And definitely for like this one, like I know you're a big fan of this. A lot of times on Late Shift, you and I are the ones to bring up um, Disney Afternoon. We're definitely uh, champions for, for that era of stuff. So I, I can't wait to get into it with you today. What was your first like favorite Disney Afternoon show? Gummy Bears. Bouncing here and there and everywhere. Gummy Bears. Oh, yes, that was a great one. But, Close like, second Darkwing Duck. That's, I was going to say, Thank like, you. I'm a Batman yeah. guy, so I have to yeah. go Darkwing Duck. I mean, it's yeah. just. I had, like, the, the figurines from McDonald's. I had the book on tape. Yeah, I, I love uh, it. I do I do watch watch a lot of that in Spanish, though, so, like, it might be a little different. But it's still <laughs> Darkwing Duck, man. Like, they, they honestly, they lost me a bit when they started doing bonkers. I, I never got into that one. Like the the tiger cup, cheetah cup. Yeah, no, I was still very young, so that was still appealing to me. And then Masupalami as well, that was still very appealing. Uh gargoyles though. Oh yeah. Technically, technically this is the afternoon. <laughs> I but definitely know, of the darker era. Yeah, that yeah. that's a great one. Start at the beginning. Chippendale Rescue Rangers, the 2022 release on Disney Plus, directed by Akiva Schaefer, starring John Mulaney as Chip. Andy Samberg as Dale, with the support of a star-studded voice cast. We follow Chip and Dale in present day, who have both gone their separate ways after their TV show Rescue Rangers finished in the 90s. Chip is an insurance salesman, whereas Dale is still trying to remain in the spotlight and usually appears at fan conventions. They are reunited when former co-star Monterey Jack gets in touch and mysteriously disappears. Now working a real case to search for their friend, they work with the police to uncover a stinky cheese smuggling ring, as well as a bootleg movie operation run by Sweet Pete, a.k.a. Peter Pan. Our heroes work together to save the day, take down the bad guys, and heal their friendship. Tale as old as time. Let's get straight into it. Um, being a 2022 release, I am curious, did you watch it as soon as it dropped, or did you come to it a bit later? I watched it at midnight the night it dropped. Yeah, and what was your initial reaction? Uh, uh, this is the greatest thing since Roger Rabbit. <laughs> like I that is honestly, definitely the comparison. yeah, I I did not, I wasn't sure what it was gonna be. Like the trailers, kind of told you it was not gonna be like a straight follow up of the, of the TV show, which I actually think is good. Like I enjoy the cartoon as a kid. I didn't know how much Rescue Rangers was going to work as a 40-year-old man. I mean, I still watch some of those old episodes. but And the and the, and the, and the video game is great. The, the Nintendo one? Yeah. That one's great. 
Although a little easy. I, I remember I got that for my birthday and I, I finished it the next day. I was like, what? That's it? That's, that was uh, that's an achievement for Nintendo when you couldn't pause and you couldn't do anything. You had to run the whole game from start to finish. So well done. Yeah. But still, one day, like, <laughs> this was supposed to last me a while. But yeah, like, I, when they, I realized what they were doing, I was like, okay, I get it. And actually, I think it's pretty clever because it opens the door to a different type of audience. And the whole movie is like, excuse adult. Like, I, I watched it with my kid, and at some points, he was like, I didn't get that. I was like, better you didn't get that. I will explain <laughs> it when you're 12. Yeah. How many times have you watched it since, you reckon? About four or five times. And it, is it still, like, holding up every time you're rewatching it? I I find small details on, on the rewatches that I missed in the previous ones. It's one of those movies that has so many things, especially in the in the in the Comic Con scenes. They have like conve- like two or three convention scenes. Uh, the detail and the deep deep references are just beautiful. Oh yeah, uh, this is one I didn't watch as it dropped. Um, I had a bit of a jam packed twenty twenty two, so I came to it uh, much later in the year, probably towards the end of the year, and had heard mixed reviews, mostly positive, but a few. Yeah, a few mix. And, but as you sort of said, the thing that I most heard was if you like Roger Rabbit, you'll like it because it definitely takes a lot of that um, film noir influence. And there is a lot in it I really like. Nazari. It's my favourite part because you'll see. Nazari, what are some of the scenes that stand out to you? Actually, I, ha- I was debating between two things. Uh, the thing that I ended up choosing was the fan con chase at the end. I've got well, both convention scenes in my notes, so take both if you want. Okay, no, no. The other thing I wanted to put mention was the bad house, the the bad house scene where they are trying to get to uh, Sweet Pete, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, they are trying also to avoid like the polar bear and the and the dwarf that were like his uh, henchmen, and they ended up like getting discovered by the DJ with the, the snake DJ, and he makes them rap. That one was a close second, but. Maybe not because of the things people think it is. They make it pretty clear that this is kind of like a adult entertainment place. And and one of the things you see is Scrooge's dog swimming in money. Yeah, I'm like, I was like, I, I know what you're doing. I, I see it, <laughs> and I I actually really like it. <laughs> but I I went in the end with the fan con chasing, mainly because uh, they. It's just like Roger Rabbit. Like, you start to think, how did they make this work? They don't own all of these characters, all of these references. How is that in this movie? Uh, one of them I will mention later because it's my favorite character of the of the of the piece. But him and Skeletor are in this. They are sitting yeah. signing autographs, like yeah. they are people. And Skeletor says, like, I felt a breeze on my... Because they don't wear, like, pants. That was funny because they were running behind, below them. And also, like, uh, they said, like, we got to get... You got, we, all the movie, Dale has been wearing his his Dale shirt. He's only that he's CGI. But Chip, who actually kind of resents the Rescue Rangers thing, has been wearing something else. 
And then they were like, do we have to hide? Get something to, to uh, get these guys. And he, they run and he comes out looking exactly like the cartoon from the 90s. And when they turn around, it was an Indiana Jones shop. With a yep. fedora. Brilliant. That was, that was great. And when uh, the other part I really like is when they knock down uh, the dwarf that it's voiced by Seth Rogen. And then all the characters that come up to talk to him are characters voiced by Seth Rogen. Even the ones from DreamWorks. It's, it's Bob is there. And I'm like, how can you have Bob in the Disney Plus show? Has Disney bought DreamWorks? And I haven't heard that. It's, that's that's just brilliant, man. I had um, both convention scenes in my ones as well. For all those little references, and as you sort of said, this is my second watch of it now, you do start to pick up on, you see the things that you didn't see the other times, or you just forget that maybe that was part of it. I have the Seth, Ro Seth Rogen crossover universes in my notes as well. That took me out, that level of humor. The, the one thing that, like, I, I'm going to like be honest or something, people think I watch all the cartoons. I really don't. Like some of them I skipped. The Mantis is from Kung Fu Panda, right? Yes. Okay. Because I, I was having a little issue placing it uh, because of those movies, I've only seen the first one. Like I saw uh, Kung Fu Panda and I thought it was okay. I It was enjoyable. Hmm. But I I don't know. It's just like when the second and the third one came out, I was like, I just didn't if you get a lazy afternoon, there, there. I don't mind that trilogy. It's an okay trilogy. The only trilogy I really like, no complaints. It's How to Train Your Dragon. Like people say, the third one is the weakest one. I, I don't know. I, I, maybe the second one for me. Although some people love that one, but on like the first one is the best. I, I think I like the setup more than anything else. Uh, the other thing I liked about the convention center is, uh, like you said, it's a good highlight of um, con life in general because conventions aren't anything new, but you can argue that ever since the big rise of the superhero boom, like I'd say like mid-2000s onwards, they've been getting bigger and bigger and really, uh, <laughs> Nazari is someone who's just been to a convention, you do see like a wide range of uh, different people there. So I like that they do Lumiere, that they have Baloo. Oh, yeah. Baloo uh, flounder and he's like, look at this, isn't it neat? Like them saying their catchphrases uh, is uh, ugly Sonic takes me out. I think that is just so, and, and that's one of, it's something like of this era. I don't know how well that's going to age, but I appreciate it greatly. The ugly Sonic reference. That is that is uh, that is the one I didn't want to mention before because yeah I, sorry I thought I didn't like to say that that or Paul Rudd I couldn't I didn't know which one you didn't want to because also Paul Rudd is Art Man that is so Aunt good um, <laughs> yes. no but yeah it's like oh man he's so funny like and they actually again how is he in this movie the Paramount gave them the permission because it is that design. Like, it is the CGI monstrosity that was in that trailer. <laughs> and they even make the reference, like, I cannot even pay attention with those teeth. <laughs> uh, uh, one of my favorite scenes was, I really always love the start of movies, so I love their little rise to, fight, rise to fame scene. So then meeting at the school, 
where uh, they're, they're, they're at their little small lunch table together, you know, they're the yeah. two chipmunks there. It gives me very the Muppets 2011 when you have like all different people interacting, you know, like Walter would go to school with Jason Segel. Like I love that where you, it's not being drawn attention to it, but of course like humans and cartoon characters would just all go to school together. Um, and then you get the talent show and filming Rescue Rangers. As I said at the start, like this is just all when they do, when they do the voices for the first time, like, how they came about doing how that's an act like and i think as you sort of said that how well is it going to translate that's really smart that they did that and they didn't make them in the chipmunk voice the whole time that that's part of their act that rescue rangers itself was a tv show i think that's really clever and just the 90s of it all Nazar, the, the one of the cameras for me is Paula Abdul and MC Scat Cat from the Opposites Attract video. That yeah. took me out the first time I watched this. I was like, oh my goodness, what a next good to, point. Next to freaking Roger Rabbit. And yeah, doing like, the Roger dance, Rabbit on the dance floor. The Roger Rabbit with Roger Rabbit. <laughs> and then, then Dale puts on his parachute pants and does the MC Hammer, you can't touch this dance. Like, it's really just such a love letter of the time. You can tell the people making it were there, lived through it, loved that era and put a lot of a lot of heart into it. That, that was basically like the Lonely Island people, right? Yeah, yeah. They're, they're great. Like, they, everything, they, they, I don't know. Like, to me, they're similar in spirit to feel the lord and miller that mm. when they produce things or they like write things it always somehow turns out better than everybody expects and very authentic to them as well like it's not doesn't feel like very interference it's like no this is the reference i want to make this is the jokes i want to make and i'm going to put it in the one thing that distracted me a little bit was that the first time i watched it it was fine like okay this is chip and this is dale But the second time, and the, from then on, I couldn't stop hearing Spider-Ham. <laughs> and I was like, it is Spider-Ham. And I kept waiting him for put out the hammer and tried to check my hand with the wetness. It's water. I washed my hand. And I was like, so it is a little, like, It took me out of it, but it does. It doesn't detract from the movie. It's just that that voice is very particular. Please, I'm hoping that's not a glass breaking moment for me. Where next time I watch this, that's all I'm going to hear as well. Now that you've said it, <laughs> you know, it, like it's weird. Like in the in Spanish, like the the Mexican dubbers that do most of the cartoons are like a, they used to be a small group. Now there's like some controversy because they are getting TikTokers to do dubbing for Spanish, and the The artists who are the dubbers from all time, like they're getting upset, but eh, that's something else. The thing is that the guy who does Homer Simpson in Spanish is very recognizable. So most movies you're just watching them and you're like, oh my God, that's there's Homer Simpson. He's a pigeon in this movie. He's the cat in Stuart Little. He's mm. this other thing here because it sounds like Homer Simpson. Mm. Sort of like Patrick Warburton, where you can pick that voice out of anywhere. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That yeah. man is not like that's crunk. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> no confusing that man. Uh, one of the other scenes I really liked, and you touched on it where like this is a really adult oriented film is with um when they go see the guy who's selling the cheese, like the Muppets, they go down Main Street. The cheese, the stinky the cheese. The cheese, the stinky Because like clearly this is a drug smuggling ring stand in for cheese. So unless you're watching 
you need to be able to pick on those things. But when they walk down Main Street, again, that's more of the references there. The cat, the cats from Cats, where we're in the Uncanny Valley now. I thought that was yeah. so clever. This is so weird. What is this? Is the Uncanny Valley? Like people <laughs> things look real, but out of place at the same time. And, and when they go to the dwarf, like, why, why aren't you looking at me? I'm straight looking at you. What do you mean? Oh my God, his dead eyes. No, that's my favorite quote. We'll bring it to later. But um, he's got those Polar Express eyes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's great. But we meet um, the seller who sells the stinky cheese is a Muppet. And I like that now that Disney owns all these properties yeah. that we can have these sorts of crossovers. And it's like, oh, he's, it's, it's basically Swedish chef standing. Very hard to hear. That's what I was going to say. That is the Swedish chef. Just that they can talk. <laughs> and it's really funny because as soon as he said they're looking for stinky cheese, he's gone from like this big, bright, happy face. And then his Muppet eyebrows just drop so low. And the voice drops, you guys, cops. Like, it's like, whoa, it's getting serious now. <laughs> How do you find this scene of this stinky cheese drug den scene when they're, when they're really starting to be on the case now? I, I actually really like that too. Like, it's, it's just moments like that that tell you this movie is special. Like, the whole thing, and then they're like, stop giving out samples. This is not Baskin Robbins. It's <laughs> <laughs> cheese samples, man. Come on. And then they, they keep like, uh, then he goes to the back of the thing where he has like all the cheese addict mice. It's, and they're like, oh my God, this, this stinkier the better. You sold Monterey Jack stinky cheeks. Oh, that, that was just, that was great. And he looks like a junkie too. When they talk to Monterey Jack and that moment he's desperate mm. and they find the cheese, he's like, I cannot do it, man. I cannot stop. Hey, you know what? That's canon. That's from the Rescue Rangers. The man cannot yes. control himself. Yes. <laughs> uh, I, and just as, as we sort of said, like being able to put in those levels of humor, uh, it really does. The plot turns in this in this point here even more so than like because they've been to Monterey Jack's apartment already. But here's where it's like, oh, no, we're really in for a, a detective and almost film noir type story where we're, we're on the case and we're meeting these shady characters along the way. So I think it's a really good way of showing um, it's it's something for everyone in the movie, I think. Yeah. You ain't never had a friend like me. Uh, let's get into our favorite characters. How do you find Chip? I've always been a big Chip fan. I tend to like the the brain sort of characters. And as you sort of said, John Mulaney with that voice, very good job at making him very dry and very quippy. How do you find the portrayal of Chip in Rescue Rangers? I like Chip, uh, but I I always was more of a Chip guy than a Dale guy. In the arena, like, like iteration of the thing, because of what you said, that like he's the smart one. He's the one who like, knows what's going on. Dale... That was dumb. He was just a dumb brother that just was like a big nose. Uh, how, what do you call that space? The gap tooth, gap teeth. Yeah, yeah. And and looking like for the, the easy thing, uh, basic thing he wanted to do. Don't matter the danger. I always prefer Chip. However, in this version, I think I like Dale better, Andy Samberg, uh, because I can see where he was going. Like uh, he's realized that he was becoming the sidekick, because he was the character who took the pratfalls, who was the, the bottom of the joke thing. And he just wanted to do something special. I don't know why he chose to do Double O Dale. Uh, that was a bad idea. But 
like I can I can see where that comes from, and that is like a classic Hollywood story where like there's uh there's the you have the TV show and some people get more credit than others, and then jealousy starts to seep in and kind of ruins a great thing, but then you still you don't want to keep the friendship, which is the the, the more difficult part, I guess. I actually really like the whole dynamic, and I think Andy Samberg was really lovable in the, in the personality. It was not very Sambery, where he like makes more, more, you know. See, he's trying to be more. It wasn't, let's say, it was less Ben Riley in Across the Spider Verse, and more of a heartfelt character. I really like that. However, you did say who was your favorite character of the film? Yes, and I'm, I'm not going with either Chip or Dale. Actually, I, I have two characters that I think are great. One is Ugly Sonic. Because, yeah, I mean, come on. Like, that guy, <laughs> uh, he shows up. He, you think he's a joke, and then he saves them. Because he, he actually got himself a show. Ugly Sonic, Uglier Crimes. And he uses that and the police to save the day. I mean that that's just like I want my ugly Sonic movie now. I want to see more, <laughs> that more than Sonic the Hedgehog 3. <laughs> and uh the other one I would like to mention is is Captain Putty, who is yeah. obviously a he's obviously a Gumby reference, right? Yes. Did you ever watch Gumby? Like yes. is that old or am yes. I too ancient? Just no, no, i I had Gumby figurines, yep. Gumby, man, like that takes me. And, that, and then the horse. What was the name of the horse? I can't remember. It was red. That's all I've got. Yeah, it's a, red, a little red horse. The, the guy was Gumby, like like with a mustache. That was it. And I love that Like they try to set him up like the evil from the start. And then you're like, he cannot be the bad guy because it's too obvious. And then they do the, the, the swerve and like, oh, yeah, he was not really bad. And then he goes swerves again. I'm like, yes, I'm bad. I thought that was so smart. That is such good writing because it is the trope of like, no, it was like the dirty cop all along. And they're like, no, it can't be that because that's too obvious. And then, no, it wasn't. He goes, starts even telling the sub story of like, I needed money for my mother's operation. (laughs) No, I just wanted, I just wanted the money. Like, of course, like I'm an underpaid, underworked cop. I thought it was JK, it's JK Simmons. JK Simmons, yeah. Kills it. And JK Simmons, man, it's like, he's one of those guys. Like those character actors that they they will make anything work, but he really embraced Captain Putty, and <laughs> that line is I just wanted the goddamn money. He's just so like yeah, he was a great character for what he was supposed to do in this movie. I like what you said. I just want to circle back to Jack because I really like what you said about um. Andy Samberg really elevating it. And I think you're right. Giving a lot more dimension to Dale makes him a more endearing character and actually is a good um, through, like we're seeing a lot of it through Dale's lens. It's usually Chip and Dale, but Dale's really um, the one pushing the story along. We're seeing so much from his perspective. And you're right. It's like that fractured Hollywood friendship. And then coming back to get together, Dale has tried to stay in the limelight. And Double O Dale, obviously, as we we're talking with um, Darkwing Duck and Batman, you know, like that that fun t- cartoon take that we were seeing seeing at the time. And Chip's just got like his own life insurance, and he's got his dog and things like that. So I like I like that Molly. they really brought... it's Molly, right? 
think so. Millie? So Millie it's close to that. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah, and, and they just managed to give a lot more backstory, a lot more heart to those characters. Uh, I think you're right, though, with um, Captain Putty, like J.K. Simmons is eating up that role. I don't – my one biggest critique of the film is I don't love the human insert character that they have. I can't remember her name, the, 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 the female detective that they have. Ah, Yeah. I find I a lot of those scenes really difficult and straight away, like, we're, we're talking from a place of, like, knowing a lot of this growing up. She's much younger than I am. There's just no way that she knows all that Rescue Ranger stuff. Even if the grandma taped it, it's still, it's not of the time, it's not of the era, and I just don't believe that she has that thick level of nostalgia for it because if I'm on the cusp of being too young, there's just no way in hell she can. Ellie Steckler, played by Kiki That's Lane. The one. Yeah, I think, and also it's hard not to draw the Roger Rabbit comparisons and we had such a great human insert character with Eddie Valiant that it just doesn't hold up next to it, unfortunately. Yeah, the, the reality is that they just wanted to have like a human character you could like try to identify with. It's similar to what they did in uh, the Pokemon Detective Pikachu movie. Sure. The, yeah, but I don't know, I just... I don't feel like they needed it. And just like you said, it was that was the one thing that was like I, I'm glad they pointed it out too, like because they start suspe- su- being suspicious of her too. It and could be like, her. I liked that plot point, yeah. Yeah, they were like, Yeah, that that your grandma tape thing doesn't really sound like a real thing. I, I guess it was, but <laughs> uh and I like I one of one of my favorite parts that she does is when she tries to send a message. Mm. with uh, an episode no- a number and ha- like Dale figures it out and then they realize that it, the message was completely different but they had, the result was he the got same. there anyway <laughs> her logic was like yeah remember when like gadget dub- was they were double crossed and i couldn't get my message out and he took like a whole five minute explanation of of one point to the next and again that's in that andy sandberg really delivery like they, they do make dale a much more lovable well-rounded type of character True. Listen well, all of you. What are some of your favorite quotes so far? Uh, I wrote it down. Uh, Ant-Man that you kind of mentioned. A-U-N-T. Uh, it was originally called Ant-Man, A-U-N-T, and my superpower was really being charming to ants. <laughs> That's such a 30 Rock sort of sketch that I really like. I, I love when these actors do like an out of the part, like out of their zone cameo. It always works so well. Uh, you just said 30 Rock and I just remember uh, the the one where they were pretending that Hillary Clinton was president. And you saw that one? And she went to do a speech, Dike, ah, Dike, hi. I'm, I'm going, I'm the Mrs. I'm the president of the United States, I'm going to do something. And then she's like, oh no, my period. Fuck <laughs> my period. Bomb <laughs> Russia. <laughs> they also do the Amelia Earhart, which is flying a plane. Oh no, my period, and crashes the plane. <laughs> oh, I don't know. I'm sorry. I'm, I know that it's not woke, but he said it's hilarious. But that's the point of the TGS sketches is yes. that they are atrocious. <laughs> that is the point that no one would actually find that funny. Another quote uh, that I actually, <laughs> they actually really like, I already mentioned it. Ugly Sonic, 
all your crimes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's just... The, the bootleg titles in this, I was going to get it to under the air, but let's talk now because I think the the references and the bootleg titles are hilarious. So uh, instead of the Little Mermaid, it's Small Fish Lady. The small Fish. Yeah. Uh, the one that I love, Matilda, fully loaded. <laughs> the weird thing is, like, the logic behind this scribe is weird. They are getting the actual characters from the original and, and then they are making them like knockoffs so they can do the knockoff movie why don't you just use this, the original actor like you can just copyright make All right. yeah Definitely. that's why uh one of my quotes is i it's um chip and dale are talking and, dale, and they're like yeah and this and other things to fill this conversation it's such an offhanded line but if you've ever been stuck in conversations where you're sort of only half listening or just sort of want to get out or like awkward small talk yeah. i really well, like that that was when they were at monterey jacks uh, yes at the apartment yeah <laughs> this is a, sh a short quote that has nothing to do with the movie but i also love it when they are walking back and he sees the poster for batman versus et <laughs> Yes. And he's watching the movie. The trailer. Yeah, yeah. And then and then E.T. goes like E.T. forgive Batman. And then they focus on Batman. He's like Okay. And Chip's just right. crying. Like it's so good. It's so ridiculous, but I love it. Uh, they um, also have Fast and Furious Babies, which I mean, I, I want to watch that movie. Like, I really do. Like, I'm done with, with Toretto, but give me baby Toretto. I'm back in the theaters. Another one I liked was they had a big sign and it was um, Lego Les Miserables. <laughs> I don't know why, because I just make Lego everything now. <laughs> like, a Lego Les Mis would be hilarious. Have you ever, did you know that they make a lot of Lego um, Harry Potter, right? Yeah. They actually made a set of the resurrection of Voldemort. Did you, it so well? <laughs> I mean, I have it. I haven't opened it. I, I, I keep, I'm keeping it in a box because I'm like, at some point, this is going to be worth a lot of money. <laughs> but this is your retirement plan. It has, it had, you know, the, the the little baby wrap thing that they had with one of the oh, mini yeah. figures that was an Indian that you clip it in the back. It was like the, it was a wrapped baby. And it is the same mold, but the face is Voldemort. And it's gray. And then there's like a bone. <laughs> that is the bone. And then there's like a, 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 a translucent red piece that is supposed to be blood. And there's the cup. So you're supposed to grab the cup, put the red piece, it's the blood, and the bone, and the baby. <laughs> you get your bone. Oh, that chapter scares me from Goblet of Fire. So I don't know how I feel about that scene as Lego. <laughs> it is uh, particular. It is even it, the fun part the thing is that it's a small set. It was like $15. It was like you just buy it because of the lols. <laughs> oh, goodness. Uh, one of my other quotes was Polo Express Eyes, which we did. And then. As we've sort of been saying, like, there's so much self-aware humor. So at the end, when um, Dale goes to get Gadget and Zipper from their home and he's standing in the garage and you see Gadget working on the car and she looks up and she's like, well, it looks like someone's doing a cool pose. <laughs> yeah. I like that. By the way, I love Gadget. 
I, I've always loved Gadget from the original show. Uh, apparently, uh, Chip did too. <laughs> it is one of the weirdest choices they made for this movie. Uh, to have Gadget and oh, Zipper Sip. and their whole it's yeah, Sip. you said yeah. Chip. <laughs> yeah, to have their whole family of half fly, half mass. And uh, that is Dennis Haysbert voice in Zipper, so he has a very, very deep voice. Deep voice. Yeah, and then when they go and get them at the end of the movie, it's like that family man. It gives me nightmares. <laughs> I mean, good for them, I guess. Flying rats, I don't know, <laughs> but that's that's just they they are, and I love the fact that Zipper is like has like a, a pot belly now because he's like an older fly. Aged, yeah, yeah. It is just uh, I it is disgusting, but I love it. He talks about like being a stay-at-home dad because like Gadget does all the inventing and all the car mechanics and everything now. And then I love that they still have like the airship. So they, I think they have a really deft hand at mixing the nostalgia for the original series and bringing those references in, bringing in um, Fat Cat. And I love hearing like the Jim Cummings oh. voice. Like how good is that? And just this joke, one You're joke desire is where they, what's, yeah, what? Oh, you mean the scene they were filming from the show? Because the, mm. the the big boss at the end with the mutation is also has fat cat in it. It's also fat cat, yeah. Yeah. Oh, just just throughout, just and seeing the actual clips from the show, I think is really smart. Seeing how they did the um the they won one of the episodes with using the birds, like making them dizzy, so that the birds, the cartoon trope of seeing birds and the fat cat would would um go and chase one. I love this joke of when they try and replicate it at the end of the film and just the birds in the, it's the middle of the night. So he wakes up and he's in bed with his wife. He's like, and she's like, you don't have to answer it, honey, because they're trying to make him dizzy. Just it is my job. The birds. <laughs> I like just how, how self-aware it is. Yeah, the dizzy birds being caught in at night. But yeah, just the, the they've they were able to mix those older moments with the newer moments really well, I thought. I, I never knew if this was a, a thing. Did you watch the first Austin Powers movie? Yeah. There were two versions of that movie. The first one that I talk to people, they say I'm crazy because nobody remembers seeing this part. But the version I watched, that it was on VHS because Austin Power never played in theaters here. We got Spy Who Shagged Me. The other one we had to get on Blockbuster. But the one I rented, I don't know if it was the extended edition director's cut or whatever. Every time they were killing a henchman, one of those people that just show up to die, uh, they had like a little scene where you could see them on their daily routine. Like the guy woke up, he was kissing his wife, he took a cup of coffee, he got his clothes, he's like, yeah, I got to I got to go to work uh, today for Dr. Evil, I'm so tired, that guy's a tyrant, blah, blah, blah. And then he just shows up, gets, gets killed. Move on. No way they, have I ever they seen They do that. that, like, in there's like three scenes of that. And I was like, that is such a weird thing to do. And apparently, yeah, it was like, the, the regular version is just they don't have that jokes in them. But it is, like, if you can find it, like, Google, like, uh, Henchman Daily Life or whatever in Austin Power. It's, it is kind of odd because you start feeling bad for the randoms that just show up to die. 
Well, that's always been like a really good like pop culture question is like, what makes henchmen become henchmen? Like, could you imagine being a Joker's henchman? I don't know how you wake up every day and feel safe. <laughs> uh, I got a text now. He says that no mask today. We have to go paint it. Leave me the makeup kit. <laughs> one song. I have but one song. Let's talk score and soundtrack because there's a real, they've got great score uh, and a lot of really uh, fun songs with the remixes of the theme. What are some of the um, musical highlights for you? Uh, I don't think this one particularly has like that much music to me that jumps other than the remixes from the original show and ten 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 ten. But I do want to point out one song Friendship by Tenacious D that is used. Uh, in the in the montage part when they are like becoming friends and stuff and you can hear just jack black singing the song in the background have you ever seen the lyrics of that song like by the third or fourth time i'm watching the scene i'm i i know what's happening so i stop paying attention to that and and then i just listen to the song it's it is hilarious like okay. just just put just put friendship friendship by tenacious d and Spotify, yeah. you will you will listen to it. And you're like, okay, I know what where this movie is because like the music, it takes you to the scene. It's like that montage. But then listen to the lyrics. That's okay. Chef's kiss. Man. I, I think you're right though. Like it's obviously the love letter to the Disney afternoon stuff is really good in this one. I like that um, Chip early in the film is watching um, Avon and the Chipmunks comes on TV as of course they're rapping and then they have their own rapping moment I think so, again yeah, that like great that touch too. of humour and Dale just keeps saying whales Dale just keeps saying whale of course I would never eat whale what why would I eat whale <laughs> this, it is it is awkward but I do like the DJ's neighbour and isn't that like that was a YouTube guy right the the one voice in the snake oh is that flula flula book is it maybe it I was it, like i i remember i just very clearly remember that voice from somewhere i thought it was youtube let me see i think i have the thing here uh what's what was his name dj something oh dj oh. a snake dj fan of shipping the yeah flula Borg. yeah that's it yeah yeah uh Here's yeah it. and obviously like making fun of what has become a trope for kids movies nowadays like of course they're going to do the rapping and having that that musical moment in there to get rid of it but um the end credit scene i think is so genius that remix is really good i'm i'm contemplating like i might just need to add that to my spotify that remix goes i like goes really hard and you get all those credits of what has happened to the characters afterwards as well. So that's where you get your Art Man actual poster with Paul Rudd. You get to see um, all the what happened to Putty and uh, the different yeah. TV shows that they end up doing. So I, I like that ending credit scene. That That is very good. Like they and they do great credit scenes. Like the, the credit scenes from Lego Movie Part 2 is also excellent. Yeah. And that song also goes pretty hard. But like, yeah, I, I get it. Like. I, I do prefer the song Friendship just because it's original. I wasn't expecting it, but the, that remix is really solid too. This is your badness level. Nazar, how evil is our bad guy? Somehow we've managed to 
overstep him for a while, but the whole point of the movie, as you sort of yeah. said, is this big bootlegging operation by Sweet Pete. How do you find this character? Uh, the things I wrote, I cannot say because of censorship reason. But let's say he's, he's <laughs> pretty evil. Let's say yes. pretty evil. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to skip a couple of words there. Uh, <laughs> it is Peter Pan, which is a choice. Like, we all know Peter Pan, the movie, has issues. Mm-hmm. and uh, But I didn't think uh, it was as bad as this portrayed. Like, the character just... And it's, if you want to be nitpicky, it's a little incorrect because they did make Return to Neverland on 2002 <laughs> with uh, the same Peter Pan. But basically, the, the most interesting thing of the whole thing for me do you know the Bobby Driscoll story? Yes. So this I found this interesting as well. As you were sort of saying with the Hollywood friendship breaking out TV story, this is another one we see a lot is the childhood actor yeah. story. But that they chose a guy that the voice in real life had the problems and yes. had the, the tragic death because of yes. the experiences as a voice actor, as Peter Pan's child voice actor then they choose to make the similar story with the Peter Pan character, only that instead of, you know, like having a tragic ending, he becomes uh, like, you know, a douchebag. <laughs> <laughs> and starts doing the thing and stealing people and selling stinky cheese so he can sponsor his uh, bootlegging operations, kidnapping act like cartoons. Uh, it's I That guy's it's pretty evil. Let's just say that. Yeah. I do love Will Arnett, though. Like, he yes. just... he and, That's another guy that really enjoys doing what... You can ask anything you want from Will Arnett. Even you can you want him to be the sidekick in those terrible Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle movies. He will make it work. The Falcon. Mm. Mm. Savior of, of New York City. Come on! And the... One of the best Batmans. Like he's, I mean, he cannot be the best Batman in animation because Kevin Conroy existed. But like number two with a bullet, like that Lego Batman is just. So we'll learn that. I yeah, agree. He's just someone that gives his all to a role and really gets into it. Like you can tell he's just having fun with any voice work that he's doing. And that just comes across. So it's good to see. I agree with the Peter Pan. Like it's a little on the nose. But at the same time, if you're trying to tell that never grow up story, of course, well, it has to I, grow I up like in real it. life. That, that's yeah. the thing. I, I like it. I, I, like, I like it because even like even the movie version of the story is a little dark. And mm. my kid, my kid was like, it kind of went like, whew. and I'm like, yeah, don't worry. He's just a bad guy. But when you know the, the other part of the thing, when you know the Bobby Driscoll story, it, it's, it's, one, it's more of those things like, I know what you did there. And mm. it, it's bold and I enjoy it. It's like, just same, like I said, like Scrooge swimming in money in a, in a city mm. bad house. Mm. there's there's connotations mm. there's another meaning there and i i yes. like that i can I, you put that in a cartoon for kids i, I dig it i don't know why but i dig it because it's, it's adding those adult humors and that's what we found in like roger rabbit as well you know yeah. especially with characters like jessica rabbit like with the booby traps and it's just a little bit of that adult humor there i'm not bad i'm just drawn just that drawn. way 
Absolutely. Um, uh, and I find that interesting bad. as well. Oh, yeah. I find it interesting um, how they talk about what was in the late 80s to 90s and how much of a jump it has been. So doing things like the CGI surgery, I think that's an interesting concept. Yeah. Like Dale, Dale gets the full CGI and Chip's uh, – the animation looks great. Chip's animation yes. I think looks really good. This That is the one thing, like, it was – Balu has, like, five lines. They could not get Bill Murray. Like, I, I hope they at least tried. But if that had been Bill Murray, I'd been, like, flawless. But uh, the Logan is, and his band at the convention. I do like that. Yeah. <laughs> I do like Balu. And, like, uh, the polar bear, like, oh, I'm such a big fan. Practically perfect in every way. Anazaria, is there anything we haven't been able to brought up, bring up yet that you'd like to talk about for this movie for Rescue Rangers? Um, I, I would just want to say, like, reboots in general are a difficult concept because basically you have to start from the point where you can improve something that it's either forgotten or already beloved by fans. I think... Very, very few reboots itself can overtake the original because of what I said. Like, people are very attached to what the original. Like, I say, like, very few things I can say, like, the Planet of the Apes trilogy is better than the original series, or Vanilla Sky is better than Open Your Eyes. La uh, Let Me In is better than Let the Right One In, even if it's do not, that doesn't take credit from Let the Right One In. But this took it in such a weird direction uh, because it didn't touch the original. It just told you, yes, the original is the original. It was a show and we were the ones behind and making it. And this is more of a behind the scenes thing where we're actors, but we end up in a real life mystery. And like we have been saying, it's the spiritual successor of Roger Rabbit, where you can take something that it's meant for kids, give it the adult spin, and make it so much compelling for everybody and it does not it doesn't go as dark as it could have been so i can watch it with my kid but when he watches it again when he's a teenager he's gonna be like oh whoa that i did not know this what this movie was really about and i think that kind of makes it timeless it is it doesn't i like that it doesn't really depend on like a specific era cameos is kind of like cameos from all over the place because that helps it age better because it becomes more of a of an artifact that people can identify for like the next 50 70 years i don't know it's a i don't even know if it's really a reboot it's more like a continuation from a different angle yeah I really like and the how clever i really like the way you sum it up like how they have reverence for the original but they're not trying to remake it because absolutely when you sort of said how the trailers are dropping it's like what are we getting because it's not telling it from the start and it's not an actual it's not a rescue rangers episode made into an hour and a half it's yeah. telling the story of chip and dale of the rescue rangers being part of their overall long story and, and yeah and just to be so packed full of references i i'm someone who really enjoys 
referential humor, meta humor, things like that. So I like the wink, wink, nudge, nudge. We get to the camera at every turn. There's always something to be looking at, always new jokes to go for. And just the level of humor that they were able to insert with it is much more hits than misses for me. And I think that's such a feat, especially for a Disney Plus original movie. And again, the runtime being a tight hour and a half, I think really helps. So it's a short, sharp movie and it doesn't, it keeps me held on the whole way through. That is the thing. Like uh, people say that there ha nobody makes ninety-minute movies anymore, and I think this year, well, from last year, this year, have we have gotten a few that are like Marcel. The, when was Marcel the shell with the shoes? Shell with shoes on. Yeah. That that movie was like ninety minutes, and it was perfect. And uh, this year we had Renfield, which was also a solid ninety-minute film, and it was really good too. Like. If you make the most out of your time, you do not need to meander for three and a half hours. <laughs> like mm -hmm. some movies, some movies, very few meander for that time. And you just want to keep meandering with them. Like, honestly, like if you give me anything from Tarantino, you can make it eight hours. I'm still just going to be enthralled with the, as long as I'm watching because that man has, he knows how to juice scenes, you know, mm. but most people can't and sometimes movies that are not that even that close uh to being that long feel eternal and yeah and i think especially for this when you're doing a detective movie i think keeping short sharper scenes is, is a much better play as well oh cocaine bear 90 minutes <laughs> great movie <laughs> uh Nazar, thank you so much for joining me today deep diving into all our nostalgia waves i love it thank you very much Watch Rescue Rangers if you haven't. Uh, you do not know when Bob Iger is going to say, take that thing out of Disney Plus and we can lose it. Uh, there's, no, there's not a, a DVD or a Blu-ray of this movie, right? I don't know. I don't think so. I think it's a Disney oh, Plus right. movie. You guys are in Australia. You got We're not shaft. doing a physical media anymore. <laughs> you got the shaft. Like, I, I'm, I'm so much, I'm so buying One Division. Like, it's going to be like a super limited run and it's coming out on a steelbook on Blu-ray. I'm just going to grab that thing and run. <laughs> like, I'm so glad I, I bought every single Disney movie three or four times. Like, they yeah. the, they sold me the, the, the limited edition and then the platinum edition and then the crystal and the edition. the diamond edition. <laughs> yeah, the two years special features. <laughs> when I the moved... The single edition. When, when I moved, I, I, I had like seven Beauty and the Beast versions. I was like, why did I buy all these? Yeah. I even bought like a, a Nightmare Before Christmas one that had like a red sleeve cover. And I was like, that looks really pretty. I'm going to buy the movie again. And when I bought it, I took off the sleeve. It was the same DVD I already had. They just, they just, <laughs> put, a cardboard, they just put a cardboard sleeve on top of it. I was like, I, I am the fool. <laughs> Thank you for joining us. We'll see you all next time. And when you come to the end, <laughs> Thank you for joining me on this episode of Doing Disney. Make sure you follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Doing Disney Podcast and Twitter at Doing Disney Pod. 